0: All right. Um, let's do, do, you have ca- diff- do you have a different... Oh, sorry. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Do I have a what? No, we didn't even start yet. I was do- going to say, do you have a different opening for this podcast? I, I have some stuff written down, if oh, that's what you're asking. Ooh, ooh I <laughs> like it. Oh, my God. Can you not die? Actually, no, that would be really good press. Can you yeah. die?
1: <clears throat> the first gonna- podcast...
0: Who's gonna publish it? This isn't live like Twitch. Someone has to publish it after you're dead. WikiLeaks.
1: WikiLeaks. Live leak. Mm-hmm. Get Julian Assange to do it. Porn up. <laughs> Welcome to Viewport Relay, a bi weekly gaming podcast where we go over news, random stuff, and just, I guess, our lives, right?
2: Yeah, that sounds decent enough.
1: My life or your life? Our lives. Oh. Sorry, I put our lives as our point. We're just
0: we're just a sentient being that all share the same life. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um, I'm one of your hosts, Tristan Jung,
2: and his I'm faithful
1: tri- oh. Oh. oh no, oh, this oh, is see Tristan, this. this is oh. why
2: this oh, is why you need to,
0: this is why Tristan, you should just introduce us if you're the host.
1: I'm one of your hosts, Tristan Jung, and I'm joined by Alex Nestor and Albert Corston today. Yo, what's up? What up, my boys and girls? So, this is Viewport Relay, um, the premier flagship podcast for Viewport. Flagship. So, what is Viewport? What is Viewport, Albert? Well, a Viewport is a window of sorts that you look through. Okay, I'm going to kick you out of the call. What is Viewport,
2: Alex? Oh, you know, uh, Viewport is just kind of your site where we look back on the various gaming news. We do features and various reviews of video games that we are playing currently. Uh, Yeah,
1: so, I mean, Al- I think Alex kind of got it. Mostly got it. Okay, hey, only... I got it too. Okay, I got it too. Albert got it too. We're actually a, a-, a window on a plane. Um, and mm. we, we're, we're kind of like a gaming blog, I guess we do reviews, features and podcasts and you're listening to one of them, I guess, uh, you can find us at www.viewportgaming.com and we're on all your favorite social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, not Snapchat, um, at Viewport Gaming, if you want to. If you want to get your social media on. If you want to smash that like button, you got to go there, okay? It really helps us out. It really helps us out. Keeps the Keeps the ball rolling. Keeps the money coming in. Keeps the views porting. It keeps the views porting? Yeah. Don't, don't close that viewport. Yeah. Leave it, it open. Will, it'll get dark. It will get dark. Um. So if you listen to our other podcast, um, the Retrospective Collective podcast... You, I mean, if you're, if you're a long-time fan of that, I guess, um, you, you know that we kind of covered gaming news for a portion of it. We moved that here, um, and we also want to kind of talk about random, random stuff in the gaming world. Who doesn't like talking about random stuff in the gaming world? So I'm going to toss a, a, a segment at you guys. Oh. It's called, what did you play last week? I know, very original. Hmm. You put a lot of thought into this one. I put uh, a lot of thought. Um, let's start with Alex. What did you play last week?
2: Let's see. Last week, I would say the main thing that I played was probably uh, Zora Lane. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Can you explain a Lane to our listeners? Oh, yes. Sure. I would love to explain it to our fresh bunch of uh, lovely faces. Azor Lane is a uh, Chinese-made game for mobile that is uh, basically just Boat Girls, you know. It's kind of like Kantai Collection, but, you know, a little different. It's got actual gameplay, so it's kind of nice. You can actually do stuff. And, yeah, you just get your gotcha on. Alex, I feel like like 90% of people don't even know what Kantai Collection is. Don't worry, we'll we'll attract the the demographic. It, is this, okay.
0: I was gonna say is that a demographic we wanna attract. What, what, what demographic? <laughs> Where are we posting
2: this? <laughs> you know, I'm posting to my DeviantArt, my uh Your Pixiv. Yeah, my Pixiv, uh my uh my Nico channel mm-hmm. in thirty uh, minute segments. Yep. Alright, Albert, what did you play last week? Alright, I got some
0: spoiler alerts, but I'm playing Nino Cooney 2. Check out my hot review when that comes out in probably a week or two from the day of this recording. Um, but other than that, TF2 had a pretty big competitive update, and I haven't been playing the competitive part, but they did some balancing on weapons, so I'm playing that a little bit. It's pretty fun. You know, TF2 is always, it's like, what's it, 10 years old now, 11 years old. It's fun to always just hop in and get a couple games in.
1: All right. Um, and as for me, I guess the last game I played was Star, Kirby Star Allies um, for review purposes. You can check it out at viewportgaming.com. You, it was, you, made, uh,
0: you made that sound horrible.
1: You well, were like, I played it. For review purposes. Well, if you read my <laughs> review, you could probably tell how much I love that game.
2: But, I mean, you played it because it's a Kirby game. Come on. I did.
1: And then I was disappointed.
2: Kirby, 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 no longer star of the show.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the The director uh, of the Kirby games, he keeps, like, liking our Instagram posts. I, I don't yeah. know what to... I, I, I kind of want to message him. But I'm, at the same time, kind of scared. Maybe he can, maybe he,
0: does he still like our stuff? Because if he read your review, I don't I don't know if he's gonna be liking our stuff anymore.
1: No, he did. He he liked the post that said our review of Kirby Star <laughs> Allies is finally out. Oh, okay. So maybe he just saw the picture and liked it, but I I don't know. Maybe he's gonna contact you to help build the next Kirby game. Maybe.
2: Yeah, maybe he's just a real fan of honesty. All right, is it time for news? I think you know. I think every day is
0: a good day for news, but especially this day and every day that this podcast comes out,
1: which is biweekly. Yes. Um, who wants to go first? All right. So I'll, I'll explain the process. So
0: we got like 10 stories about, and we're going to take turns rattling off these stories and then we'll kind of talk about them. And then someone else will grab another story out of the bag. It's kind of similar to, uh the Retrospective Collective, how we did the news and that, if you were listening to those ones. Um, But I'll I'll start, because I've introduced everything, I guess. So um, we will do... All right. Um, The first story we will do is... So there was a GDC talk um, by Mike Rose. And essentially, it outlines that most of the games on Steam nowadays aren't making that much money. And a stat came out that um, the top 100 games on Steam made 50% of all money in 2017, not including microtransactions. Yeah. Um, but obviously, mm-hmm. the smaller games aren't going to have microtransactions, so th- that number's not going to affect those. It would only affect games that potentially didn't make the top 100 in revenue, but like Dota 2, but right. probably would have easily been in like the top 20.
1: I mean, I think that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I mean, even from a personal point of view, maybe that's not the best way to talk about this, but I don't really look at indie games much anymore. And I guess the industry itself doesn't really look at indie games that much. Um, I, what was the last big indie game that oh you guys got? Uh, big indie game.
0: I mean, could indie you... games now are kind of like kind of fad games, right? Not like not in a bad sense, but in mm-hmm. like it gets big on Twitch for a couple weeks and a bunch of people pick it up. And a lot of people continue playing after it's like falls off on Twitch, but uh, in early October, November it was uh, uh there are billions even though it's still early access. That one got pretty big. And mm-hmm. then now
2: Slay the Spire is pretty big. A lot of people are playing that. Mhm. Wasn't there like a little period where people were playing this game called Subnautica as well. I think that's also an indie game. That's true. That's been out for a really long time, though. Yeah. I think it got uh, a really weird
0: surge in popularity. Yeah, I think another game that got really big indie was
1: Celeste, for sure. Right. Um, That got also really well critically reviewed. So, But I think these are examples of, like, really big indie games. Right. I don't if, know if you've uh, looked at Greenlight or whatever they call it now um or even like so i i visit itch.io from time to time just to see if there's any indie games uh, that we we could review and i'll be honest a lot of them are not that good like i, I would not want to play them even if i got them for free
0: yeah i think the problem is and it's been this way ever since the green light went away i think it's called just like steam access or whatever right something like that um but the, one of the articles says in 2017 there were almost 8,000 games released on steam
2: there used to be a time where you could just like look at the new releases on steam and actually see games that you might want to play but nowadays when i look at new releases on steam it's just like a bunch of random things all in the list like i have no idea what half of the things are
0: yeah for sure and there's there's a let's be honest like 75% 75% of those 8,000 games are like shovelware. They're garbage, weird stuff that someone paid 100 bucks because that's like the fee you need to pay to put something on Steam or submit a game to Steam
2: and they just put it up there. Right. It's someone's RPG Maker game or something like that.
0: Yeah. It's essentially, I think it's a problem in that for things something comparable might be the iOS App Store or the Google Play Store those... The top games, I mean the top games are obviously like the free-to-play ones for the big companies, but the new ones that come out and get hot and popular, those ones are curated. Like I think Google and Apple have teams that curate those top new things. So I think this this plays a big picture into why the Nintendo eShop for Switch, when it first mm-hmm. came out, attracted a lot of attention. Because there was such a small amount of games, it was really easy to get your game recognized. And yep. you saw some of those, I think it was a month ago, the article came out of the top 10 eShop sellers. Yep. And one of them was a game that was there on launch. And I actually have it. it I got it because it was really cheap. Um, it's called Comico. It was five bucks. But that $5 game, I think, was in the top 10 or top 20 eShop sellers for the whole year um, in terms of revenue made.
1: So Was it good?
0: It was. It's a really short game. It's 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 actually. Well, I don't want to go too depth in, it, but it's like you get three characters, and it's like an hour long playthrough. There's like five levels, and each of the three characters play it differently. But it's just like a quick fun time. It's five bucks. It's really cheap. Um, and the music's good, and the pixel art's pretty good too. But
1: yeah. I mean, I think the other problem is is kind of like the surge of Unity and Cringe and what what else is uh, what
2: Unreal else is Unreal. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's, it's like, very easy for people to build any random thing. Um, And that kind of, like, clutters everything, right? Yeah, then there's things like RPG Maker and stuff like that that they
0: even sell on Steam.
2: Yeah, it just throws a surge of things at you, and you can't possibly sift through it all. So you can't find the gems out from the rest of the games that are just getting released at the same time.
0: It kind of makes me feel sad for the... I want to say mid-2000s, like a couple of years after Steam first released, where almost every title you could buy off of Steam was a great game, or pretty good of a game. No bloat that, that The reason why that was unique was because it extended to the indie games that they released on there.
2: Right, it was much more of an exclusive club, which might be a hindrance to some, where almost it would feel like you're not able to sell because you're behind the wall that is Steam. You can't get on there. So it might feel helpless for those developers who couldn't at the time.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting balance between do we keep the quality high but sort of, like you said, wall off a large part of the developer community that I don't even know how the curation process went back then versus mm-hmm. do we let everything in and then let the users kind of pick and choose what they want. And that's a... That's a, a, a respectable, I can understand the logic behind the decision of let the users pick out what they want and kind of let everything on there, but as they can see, it's it's actually potentially worse because it makes potentially good games that are out there harder to find.
2: Right, yeah, Steam just currently doesn't have the greatest way to find those great, great games that are just hidden away. It's, it's difficult if you're just searching on the store and maybe may, maybe that's the real solution. They just need a new searching algorithm or some new basis to be able to sniff out these real games.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a Reddit type of uh, experience right now, right? Like if if your game doesn't go viral, right? Um, yeah, no you're just going to d- find out about you it. You
2: just drop down the list and no one's ever going to find it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Alex, did you want to go next?
2: All right, so the next major piece of news we got going on is that Monster Hunter World finally released the Devil Joe onto the world. And we love the Devil Joe. It's the giant pickle. It's the T-Rex. He's going to crush you.
1: He's going to come out of the ground when yeah. he's expecting
2: it. you will just be hunting uh, a Rathalos or whatever, and then just out of the ground, here comes the pickle.
0: Yeah, I think Capcom is really showing their wheels here and they, they know how to... This is their new textbook of how they want... Or there should be the textbook, Monster in a World, of how to create a game that has a lasting fan base and that doesn't have any pay-to-win weird microtransactions in it and is just an overall good experience on how to make it... I, like, I think people call it a lifestyle game where it's one of those games where every two weeks there's an event You can get on, like, a new costume. So it kind of becomes part of your lifestyle where every two times a month, at the very minimum, you kind of hop on the game, do a couple monster hunts. You know, just keep the player base engaged.
2: Right, yeah. And they've kind of addressed some of the concerns people have had with the game, like uh, the lack of G-Rank difficulty. So they've kind of released some event quests that do actually ramp up the difficulty quite a bit with that feature, the Devil Joe, actually. Uh, The tempered form of it, so... That's always nice to see. Of course, it would still be really nice to have the full G-Rank mode, but we'll have to see on that one what they do with that. Maybe we won't see it at all, but I, I'm pretty excited to see what else they got in store
1: for us in terms of monsters that they'll be releasing. I mean, like, this is huge, right? Um, I, I think... It, so Capcom has done regular events for a long time, but this should be the first game where they release a new monster outright. Um, as DLC so if if they're playing this right they could potentially keep this going for a long time I'm sure a lot of uh, longtime players are definitely open to paying a couple bucks to see um, maybe like a collection of you know monster hunter three or monster hunter four uh, monsters that are not in the current game
2: oh yeah definitely I think that could be a major possibility on the horizon for Capcom but uh, They did a great job with the base game, just appealing to a worldwide crowd. Uh, and they might as well exploit that.
0: Yeah, what are they at now? I think it's 8 million copies sold, which is ridiculous. Yeah,
2: it's it's something crazy
0: at this point. Two and a half months. I guess it's more like three months. No, two months, because it came out end of January. Um, but I feel like they, they can, they can not, not, I don't want to use the word get away with it but I feel like it might be in their marketing strategy where if they give enough an, away enough free content like this, and this is great free content that it won't leave a sour taste in players mouth when they do most likely offer paid content. So I hope they don't put something like G rank, which for those of you who are unaware, monster hunter G rank is G rank is sort of the next step um, above high rank, which is essentially a, an even more difficult game mode. Um, for kind of the most extreme players, I feel like it would leave a sour taste in players' mouth if they made that paid, G rank paid. But at the same time, if they do, I don't know, four or five free monsters, uh, players would take it a lot better and would definitely, due to all that free content, would support the, de- support Capcom, um, by paying for stuff like that because they got so much free support already for the game.
2: Well, really, in the past, what Capcom has done is they've released, like, ultimate versions of the games which have more content to them. So I'm hoping, praying with World, that they'll just go with the DLC route. I think it'll not be as bad or negative in people's minds if they just release, like, DC- DLC-level content that is at that same level as the ultimate versions of the games. So they don't have to buy the same game again and then just kind of get the new content tag- tagged on.
0: I think it's harder for them to go that route. Um, because DS games are normally $40 and next, and these console games are $60. So it's a pretty hefty price difference to pay. Right, it is.
2: But yeah, the, and then kind of the minor thing that's tagged onto this Devil Joe update is we're seeing more weapon balance updates for Monster Hunter game, which is just kind of crazy for me to see. Because in the past, I don't think they've really ever done anything to really change weapons and tried to, buff them or nerf them in any way so you're seeing things like greatsword getting all its damage increased uh you have long sword getting like extra invuln windows and things like that it's it's pretty cool actually to see that monster hunter is really starting to evolve as a game appearing much more like uh something that's evolving and actually just not static in terms of how you're gonna play the game it, they could buff things and it might make things more appealing to you that you haven't tried before.
0: Maybe uh, maybe they're prepping for a Monster Hunter Battle Royale.
2: Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I like the sound of that. No, 100 monsters, 100 hunter,
0: 100, 100 monsters.
1: When can I expect to play this on mobile? Um next. Let me reach in here. What we got is Valve got rid of their Steam Machine section. Who remembers Steam Machines, guys? Oh, raise your hands. <laughs> Alright, no, no one raise their hands. Yeah, I'm seeing no pretty... no one's in here. Yeah, I'm seeing pretty
2: blanksters.
0: It's more like raise your hand if you got a Steam Machine, other than there's no hands in
1: the air. Shit. Um, Steam Machines are kind of, I guess, Steam-branded computer hardware. Uh, From a variety of different vendors that, you know, served as high-end, mid-tier, like somewhere in that area uh, of computers that can play games that were sold on Steam. Um, But as with any type of computer hardware, most of them turned out to be pretty overpriced. Um, You couldn't really upgrade them. The selling point was kind of that it was very small and you could fit it on like your your media center, or maybe just on top of your desk. And to be honest, I don't think many people bought them. Um, and Steam did a pretty ho- horrible job pushing them. It was really hard to find. Uh, I'm not surprised this happened. They haven't even released any new Steam machines in a long time.
2: Right, yeah, they were just, they were tucked away. You didn't really ever see them on the main page or anything. I think I saw them maybe a couple times ever actually advertised... Uh, it just kind of was baffling. They're being sold mainly to PC gamers who probably are a little bit more savvy on how to just build their own PC. So it was confusing to me why they would even be offering these kinds of machines in the first place. Just didn't seem like the right market to be selling them in. It was...
0: I think it was uh, the marketing strategy was flawed from the beginning in terms of how it came out. I think that... Players who wanted this, as Alex said, kind of already have a PC. So they wanted something more lightweight and not as expensive. And since Valve is a smaller company and they really couldn't, well, I I wouldn't say that they really couldn't, but I think the route they, this is what they did, is they partnered with like Alienware and a bunch of other hardware manufacturers to make their own versions and then they would sell those versions on Steam. Um, And due to that fact, a lot of them were pretty expensive. I think what they should have done is partnered with one vendor, sort of like the Vive, where they partnered with HTC. They should mm-hmm. have partnered with one vendor to make solidified maybe two versions, a mid-tier like $300 to $500 box, and then maybe a high-tier 800 for someone who's a console gamer and wants to get into PC gaming and wants a higher end. I don't think they should have gone the route where there's a lot of customizability, which kind of... In one way, speaks against the mantra of PC gaming, whether you should have a lot of options, unlike a normal console where there's the one option. But I feel like since these are pretty much consoles, that's kind of the way they should have gone. Because if they wanted customizability, someone would just make their own PC, like Alex said. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I I, I think it 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 was aimed at a very weird group of people. But the lack of customization is what I, I think killed it. Right? Like, you're if you're gonna buy a steam machine, you're probably not gonna be able to use it three three years, four years down the line, um, especially if you if you bought a mid tier one. So the fact that you couldn't upgrade the GPU, you literally couldn't update anything, um, is is pretty weird. And I, I'm not sure where they were trying to go with this. I just realized, and I
0: think. Valve almost killed off steam machines themselves by releasing Steam Link where you can literally have your PC and stream games to your TV so you don't need one of these devices near your TV at your entertainment center. So that-
1: I I think it's it's for two different groups. They just like marketed it really horribly, right? P- like people like us who already have a good PC, they're probably going to try to sell Steam Link But people who are maybe on consoles and want to play PC games and don't know how to build a PC and don't want to spend money on, like, an actual build, that's what these were for? I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, that's
0: probably a smarter, maybe, what their business strategy was for.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Were these things even really marketed outside of Steam? Because, honestly, I've never seen an ad for a Steam machine anywhere outside of Steam itself.
0: Uh, you might have found it on Dell's website for Alienware for their models. Uh, Maybe, I think Gigabyte made one, but no. I mean, not for the past couple of years, I would even say, had they ran ran an ad. I didn't even know, honestly, these things were still being
2: made. Yeah, definitely. (laughs)
0: Like, I thought these died off long ago.
2: Yeah, that was just the major thing, is they... Just didn't get the proper visibility, I feel, in the early stages to ever grow into something that people could actually desire.
0: I mean, I think I think desire was the bigger key. I don't know if if marketability and visibility was too much of a problem because I remember in 2016 I' say sixteen or fifteen when these things first got announced, there was a lot of hype whenever whenever a news article came out saying potential steam machine steam box was the word that everyone used. Steambox uh, yeah. leak and everyone got really hyped for it, and then they came out and the prices came out, and everyone's like,
1: "What? What is this?
2: Yeah. This is way too much." Yeah, when they saw the specs, it just didn't match up at
1: all. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think part of it was this was part. I, I think Steam machines were part of their big trifecta of like Steam OS, Steam machines, and the Steam controller. Right. Yes. Yes it was so they were trying to build like this ecosystem but i don't think any of them survived
0: uh Steam controller a little bit i hear
1: but but yeah i mean with with their recent move to developing games again hopefully i think kind of shutting these parts of their company down is a good idea just because you know they're they're not a huge company they don't have a lot of people so they might as well focus on things that they do well
0: yeah, agreed. And I think that honestly, not a lot of this work was as in, in terms of the actual development of the consoles was done in house. Um, so it probably wasn't sucking away too much of their time. But I feel like like you said, they should stick to their guns, which is game development, and currently it's sort of VR and those tech those technologies.
2: And most importantly the summer sale uh mini games on Steam.
1: Oh yeah, and the <laughs> artwork the artwork. Mm hmm. Gotta get my badges.
0: Heck yeah. Alright, so rolling into our next story, which is sort of a smaller blurb, but Nintendo for E3 this year will kind of be harkening back to, I guess it was two or three years, until no, four years ago at their E3, where they're bringing a Super Smash Bros. tournament for Switch and a Splatoon 2 tournament. Um, and the Smash Bros. one will be on the well, I said it, but it's the Switch version, not the Wii U version. And I, they still haven't 100% confirmed yet if it's a new game or a sort of a digital deluxe port with new characters. But I'm hyped regardless. What do you guys think?
2: Well, of course, it's Smash Bros. So, you know, there's always a bit of excitement there. But uh, I, I'm really hoping it's a new game. I don't want to see just a port of... Uh the Smash for Wii U or anything like that. I I think it's time to move on and do something bigger.
1: Um if you've seen frame six thousand five hundred thirty one of the teaser video, um roughly five hundred pixels from the left and three hundred pixels from the top, you can see that there's a malformed pixel there, which indicates it's a brand new game. So yeah, I saw that, yep. Oh, yeah, okay, and then, everyone and then Her- saw that, right?
0: Her- Herobrine returned from Minecraft or something too, right?
1: Yep, yep. So there's no way this is a remake. Uh No, I'm, I'm definitely hoping it's a new game. I really hope it's not a remake.
0: And I'm excited for the tournament just because I want Reggie to go back out there and be like, I'm gonna kick your... uh Bad word.
1: Buttocks. Buttocks. And then he got his buttocks kick." Um no i I actually like splatoon too as both of you know yeah uh, i watched
2: i watched go eSports. i <laughs> would would you would you
0: too i I don't play as much splatoon I know Tristan does uh but would you during e three week would you tune in to watch some of these
1: oh yeah, I'm totally down e three tournaments are amazing like these people they're always dressed up in these like funky colors. They're yelling at each other, and you look at the screen, and they're just like splattering paint. It's the weirdest thing ever.
0: Um, I like how they split the teams by countries too, because I remember last year was the Japan versus USA in the finals. Hmm, that's always cool to
1: see. I think I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, and,
0: and Bill Trennan said that the structure would be the same as for for Smash would be the same as the one a couple of years ago, and that one it was every player in the tournament at the beginning draws a random card and they have to play that character for the whole tournament. Oh, and damn. It's, and it's pretty great because I mean, obviously they're, they, are they are professional smash players, so they adapt pretty quickly, but there's no it's truly established tier list and there's going to be new characters, obviously that they're going to showcase off in that. And so, uh, it's always a fun way to see new characters in action that, I mean, e- although they haven't had much practice, it's probably a pretty high level of play regardless. Cause they know most of the mechanics.
1: Guys, I'm pretty sure somebody have said this on the internet somewhere. But what if it's like Infinity War or In- Infinity Warfare? Yeah, Infinity Warfare and they bundle Melee HD with the game. Wait, what's uh, Infinity Warfare? Call-, Call of Duty. Infinite That's Warfare? Infinite. That's infinite. infinite Warfare. Infinity War. <laughs> are, you also, are you trying to go like Avengers, weird
0: Avengers Call of Duty mix? <laughs>
2: The most ambitious crossover event in history, Call of Duty Cross Avengers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jeez, no one saw that one coming. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to try that again? or <laughs>
1: no, it's <laughs> all it Just you. go with it. What do you think? What do you think about <laughs> Infinity Warfare? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the question. <laughs> no, the question was, what if they bundle Melee HD, yeah, Melee HD. With, with the game?
2: Oh my god.
0: God, the world would explode, I think. I think it would just explode.
2: It'd be a nice gesture by Nintendo, I think, to finally uh, acknowledge that Melee competitive actually exists and people like playing it. Uh, They've kind of ignored the whole Melee competitive stuff thus far, so it'd be good to see them actually release an HD version that can work on a modern TV just fine. I feel
0: like it would be... Well-received, but potentially disastrous to pull off correctly, because a lot of the mechanics in Melee were, like, bugs, so they would either have to reproduce them for the HD, because if they removed them, all the Melee professional players would be like, oh, this is horrible.
2: Oh, yeah, Nintendo would be insane if they removed things like wave dashing and things like that, L-canceling and all the other moves you can do, but...
1: Yeah, it is Nintendo.
2: It is Nintendo, which is why I'm leery of that, and why I'm so afraid of them ever releasing an HD version of Melee.
0: Yeah, and I think I think simultaneously releasing that with Smash is probably not the best for market strategy because they might take copies away from each other.
1: No, I mean it'd just be bundled. Well, like maybe it had like an HD oh, mode okay. inside Melee mode. Ooh. Melee mode, okay. Yeah. I, I could see,
0: I could see a game mode, okay. That 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 resonates with me more than like a separate whole game bundled with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: that'd be that'd be amazing.
2: All right. So in news of uh, Hajime Tabata, he's got his own studio now after doing some uh, Final Fantasy 15 action. It's a new studio called Luminous Productions, a very ominous name, but I think everyone will. Understand where it comes from, uh, so it's got Tabata at the helm, but he's also going to be the director, and he's he's teasing some new uh, AAA pro- uh, titles. So, and he says it's going to be n- like new IPs. So, <laughs> got any ideas what he could possibly be producing?
1: Um, okay, new IP Square Enix. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. That
1: is something that they haven't done in a long time. Or date that they rarely do.
2: Uh, fair to say, fair to say.
1: Um he did just come off of like a like a comrades binge. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there was a major DLC update for that game. Or subgame. I don't even know what you want to call it at this point.
1: So I'm assuming it's uh it's it's probably gotta be some some co-op Monster Hunter-esque. No, actually, to be fair, I feel like Final Fantasy XV at this point is basically Monster Hunter. Like a really, really bad Monster Hunter.
2: No, I'd say that's completely accurate from what I've seen of comrades. Sue me, I haven't played it. it... Or is Monster
0: Hunter just a really, really good Final Fantasy?
1: Ah. Oh. <laughs> Thinking.
2: I think Monster Hunter is more a fantasy not based on reality at all. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I don't. How much do you guys know about Final Fantasy XV development? Because i I heard before, I heard before. Someone was it Tabata who took over that the development. It was just in development hell essentially, and then he Not, was the one who took it up.
2: Uh, yeah, it. Ta- Tabata eventually took on what will become Final Fantasy XV and complete it. Uh, okay, Nomura was the former guy who was basically took on the versus 13 project and it just kind of went on the wayside at some point when he was pulled in to do kingdom hearts 3 at the same time as this versus 13 title so
0: so do you guys have a positive outlook on what luminous productions could do or are you approaching what they might come out with with a little bit of skepticism
1: Tawata finished his game so there's that this game is probably coming out um i'm actually interested so i i did a bunch of research on final fantasy 15 development for my review a long time ago and tabata basically just got handed like a half finished version of the game and you have to try to finish it so i don't think it's a fair judgment to say the the current version of final fantasy 15 is like peak tabata if uh that's the correct way to put it. No, so pretty... I, I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, you, with all the freedom
2: you think about, he's trying to put together a game that's been in development for like ten plus years. He, how how do you even begin to put that together and make a indie semblance of an actual title at the end? Overall, I think Final Fantasy XV did a pretty good job of actually becoming a good game at the end. Uh. It's not the most fantastic title, I would say, of the Final Fantasy franchise, but it at least is a very playable game. Do you think this game is going to come out for PC? Oh, I oh, I, think, yeah. I think at this point, Japanese developers are really realizing, oh yeah, we need to actually release this on PC.
0: Like, But do you think it's going to follow the Japanese developer trend where it's going to
2: be a delayed PC version? Um... Potentially. It depends what engine they're gonna end up using if they're gonna use the Luminous Tools engine. Uh, but there are other titles like Near Automata that basically came out near the same time as the uh, console version.
0: Yeah. So Nino kuni Two. Nino Tooney Two was a simultaneous right, that was simultaneous, launch.
2: so I surprising I think,
0: for level five
2: for yeah. the first title to do that. So yeah, I I I could say it goes either way, but I would I would lean towards saying that it would come out basically around the same time as the uh, console title.
1: Did you check their uh, website? They have a lot of job openings.
2: Oh, I had it. So they're gearing up then. Yeah.
0: So that means they've probably left uh, pre-production if they're if they're hiring now uh, for whatever game they're building.
1: All I right. hope it's uh, summer lessons too. Oh, ah, very spiritual go. successor. But that's
0: not new IP. That's not new.
1: Oh, spiritual successor. Okay. W- winter Winter Lessons. <laughs> uh so for the last story, we have something about a video game that none of us really want to play. Hey, I kind of want to play it. I kind of want to play it now. Now you kind of want to play it.
0: I it looks
1: pretty fun. Looks pretty fun. Um, so, Far Cry Five came out last week. Yep, during SakuraCon, it did. Um, and it uh, it sold a lot. How much did it sell? You ask. It sold, it's the fastest selling game of the franchise. First of all, um, and it's only been out for a week. And consu- <laughs> they say consumer spending for the game has reached about three hundred ten million dollars, which I'm not really sure what that really ca- uh, comes out to with respect to copies of games but uh, assuming you just you know divide that by 60 let's see that's that's uh 5.2 million copies sold which is actually a lot i I think monster hunter was at 8 million yep last i saw it was 8.5 million yeah so i mean that that's insane um I know Far Cry 5 has had its share of criticism due to, you know, reviewers talking about politics. There's a lot of, uh I guess, topical stuff in there with respect to the current United States climate, political climate. Um, but all in all, it does look like a fun game. Yeah, I feel like a lot of its
0: popularity and kind of why I want to play it is... I've seen a lot of streamers on Twitch streaming it and it looks really fun. So one of the problems I see is that it seems to have almost too much action in it. Or if you're sitting on a roadway, enemy vehicles towards the end game will just constantly just be driving up to you and trying to kill you and it's kind of crazy. But hey, if you're into crazy, always shooting crazy action, kind of like Call of Duty campaign-esque shoot-'em-ups this is your game. But I mean, I liked, I like seeing this because it came out two weeks ago. I think it was that Ubisoft finally, uh, essentially staved off Vivendi from buying them out. They bought enough of their shares and Vivendi said that they wouldn't try again for at least another two years. Um, and seeing them have another strong financial success like Assassin's Creed origins, which actually sold really well as well. Um, it's good hope that they can stay independent and that the, oh gosh, I'm going to blunder. It's like the G- Guillermo brothers, I think. Something like that.
1: The two. Guillermo, Guill, what? Guillermo del Toro, right? Get out. Get out.
0: <laughs> anyways, That's like another the, movie. Anyways, essentially, uh, that these strong successes will, will make it see that their company isn't bought out by Vivendi and potentially turn into a crap hole.
1: Um, I guess I guess that's it. All right? We're out of news. Mhm. Yeah, kind of kind of a kind of a slow week. Um,
0: we the timing was a little unfortunate. Uh, I would say earlier in March all those big game announcements like Tomb Raider and the Nintendo Direct were all there, but we kind of got a little a little too a little too late on the boat to talk about
1: those. Mhm. Well, I guess we'll just wrap it up then. Um as always, uh, please check us out at, not as always, for the first time, <laughs> uh, please check us out at viewportgaming.com for all your gaming news needs. That is not our slogan, um, but we'll go with that for now. Uh, we provide pretty consistent content with respect to reviews, features, and podcasts. You can also find us on all the major social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Viewport Gaming, uh, this podcast is not on iTunes yet, but I'm uh, I'm working it working on it to get it on there, and also Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all your favorite podcast directories. And with that, I've been one of your hosts, Tristan Jung, with Albert Corston and Alex Nestor. <laughs> are we Are
0: we just not going to try that? I guess no. We should do that because I we, I never know who's going. I I mean, you're something. the host. You're the host. The host introduced the guest. It's not like uh-huh. someone comes
2: out. Wait, on you're Conan... not guest. You're also a
0: host. I know, but it's not like someone comes out on like Conan O'Brien and Conan O'Brien and like I'm Conan O'Brien and the other guy has to be like, <laughs> and, and I'm Chris Pratt. <laughs> you can say like you can be like I'm Tristan and I'm joined by my co-hosts Alex Nestor and Alvar Korsted, Right.
2: I need a big old light so I know when to speak. Ding. I think yeah. I think Tristan should just should just do. I'm joined by my co-host.
1: I've been your host, Tristan Jung, and I've been joined by my wonderful host, Alex Nestor, and Albert Corston. Yep, have a good one, guys. Why'd you say my name like that? Yeah. A little sensual. Ooh. Um, that wraps it up for episode one. We'll see you in two weeks.